Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As we begin today, I want to tell you the fascinating story about a 46-year-old doctor by the name of Dr. Jerry Nielsen, who after a bitter divorce decided to leave and go and live at the South Pole. There's a center there called the Amundsen Scott Center where research is done, and she was the only doctor among some 41 people on that base. It was winter time, and for seven months that base is actually shut down. No one can come in and no one can go out. And she began to discover while showering that she had lumps in her breast. Well, the most important thing to do would be to check and have a biopsy, but she couldn't. So they suggested that she does it herself. So she decided with the help of a welder friend on, on, on site to get a needle which was 20 times the size of a normal needle and to use that for a biopsy. She got him to experiment on a chicken breast and take samples and then he helped her take a sample and somehow they got this off the base. It was, it was scooped up and managed to take it overseas and she discovered she actually had cancer. So they dropped off with a jet some materials that she was able to use and she began to undergo her own chemotherapy. Pretty stressful thing. She took hormone injections and despite being in a very bad situation, she really made the most of it. And after seven months, they finally came and picked her up, took her back and in America, she was given treatment and she managed to finally recover from it. Quite an ordeal. And uh, she went on to write a book called Icebound, A Doctor's Incredible Battles for Survival at the South Pole. And she's inspired many people. She went on to be remarried. She was named the Irish American of the Year, the year that she bounced back from that. They made a movie about her and she was featured in People magazine. They interviewed her. Now, she'd said something very interesting when being interviewed, and I want to quote it, then I'll give you the title of the message. She said, some journalists have described the South Pole as hell on earth. Others refer to my time here as an ordeal. They would be surprised to know how beautiful Antarctica has seemed to me with all its waves of ice in a hundred shades of blue and white. It's winter black sky, it's ecstatic wheel of stars. They would never understand how the lights of the dome welcomed me from a distance or how often I danced and sang and laughed there with my friends and how I was not afraid. That's what you wouldn't expect her to say. You'd expect her to say it was an ordeal. We were shut down. We were locked away. But this wonderful woman knew something. She knew how to do what very few people know how to do. She knew how to make the most out of a bad situation. I've discovered many people when facing bad situations do not know by God's grace how to make the best out of them. So I want to speak to you today on how to make the most of a bad situation. How to make the best when you're in a situation that you can't change. I've noticed that many people when they find themselves in a bad marriage don't know how to make the most of it.
and people find themselves in financial difficulty, they just don't know how to make the most of it. They allow it to destroy them. And we're now in lockdown. We're now in a situation where we're confined. It's a bad situation across the whole world. How are we going to make the most of it? Is this going to destroy us or is it going to benefit us? And I want to encourage you today on how to make the most of bad situations. Norman Vincent Peale said, in every difficult situation is potential value. Believe this, then begin looking for it. In every situation that we find ourselves in, there is good and there is something that can benefit us. And the Apostle Paul was in prison and he discovered the secret of managing and making the most out of bad situations. Let me remind you from the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, we read about his experience. And remember, Paul wasn't miserable. He wasn't moody. He wasn't negative. He wasn't depressed. He wasn't suicidal. He wasn't fidgety. He discovered how to make the most of bad situations. And he says here, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, I can cope with any situation because of Jesus who lives in me. He says, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. I want to ask you today, do you know how to make the most out of bad situations? Do you know how to cope? The Apostle Paul knew how to cope. He had people around him supporting him, but he had Christ's strength living in his life. And it's at times we can almost feel, gee, Lord, how, how did this happen? Why did you let this happen? It's like having a dad who says, you can depend on me, you can trust me. And so you do, you fully trust him. But then it seems like disaster comes and your dad isn't home. Your dad's not around. Well, what do we do? We don't stop believing in dads. We don't become atheists and say there's no dad. We just begin to doubt the goodness of our dad. And we've got to remember that in bad situations, we need to apply certain principles and believe that dad is right there with us. I was reading about Jacob and uh, Jacob found himself in a bad situation. And Jacob made the most of it. And that's what we need to do. Jacob found himself bound working for a man called Laban. And, and I want to read from Genesis here, Genesis 31 and verse 40. He, he says, this was my situation. It wasn't a, a good situation. It was a bad situation. And he says, the heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years. Imagine being in a bad situation for 20 years. We're in it for 21 days. And he went on to say, I was in your household, speaking for La of Laban. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters, six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. He says, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. In other words, if it wasn't for God with me, I don't think I would have coped. But he says, I made the most of it because God was with me. And Jacob came out prosperous. The scripture ends by saying, Jacob speaking, God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands. And last night, 
he rebuked you. God made sure that Jacob was blessed. God made sure that Jacob came out prosperous. He came through a bad situation because he lent on God. He enjoyed the presence of God. And I want to give us some practical things to do while we're in lockdown. Five simple things that you can apply when you find yourself in any bad situation, particularly this one. Number one, the first thing we need to do is realize that God has allowed it for some greater purpose. Nothing happens without God's attention. God is in control of our world and he is not caught by surprise. You say, well, how come God allows evil? Well, let me remind you, this is a very finely tuned universe. Just a couple of adjustments and we would all disintegrate. We would burn out. We, this planet would not sustain life. So if there's a finely tuned universe, it means there's a finely tuned God who is behind it, keeping it sustained. And God has not deserted us. He has got a greater purpose in this that at the moment we can't understand. Now, some people say, oh, it's the judgment of God. Well, we can't say that because we haven't been told. We do not know. Bad things do happen to people that don't deserve it. The rain is on the, on, on the just and on the unjust. God blesses both, and sometimes disaster comes to both. And, and some people believe that, that, that like they, they're deists. We call them deists. They believe that God created the world, but he's abandoned the world. No, no. God's got some greater purpose, and we must understand that. Otherwise, we will lose confidence in our Heavenly Father, and we will wonder what he's doing. The Latin word for pain, incidentally, is puna, which is the word punishment, because most people believe that when you get pain, it's God punishing, but that's not strictly true. We don't know. God allows certain things because he uses it for his purpose, and it's a very hard thing. There's been a study on this whole subject called theodicy, which is, which is the study of what they call God justice. Where, where, why, why, if God is such a good God, why does he allow suffering to take place? Well, he's obviously got a higher purpose through suffering and pain and through the things he allows in the world. He's not a harsh God. He's not schizophrenic. We need to know, hang on a minute, this is happening, but God's got a greater purpose. We're in a bad situation, but let's make the most of it. Let me remind you of Psalm 91. Tucked deep in Psalm 91, there's a unique verse. And it says this in verse 14. I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust my name. Thank you, Lord. When they call me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble and rescue and honor them. The Bible says God in Psalm 46 is a very present help in times of trouble. God doesn't deliver us from trouble. It's almost like it's bracketed. He'll deliver us. He'll rescue us. But in the trouble is where God is with us. And so he doesn't cause us to escape from it, but he helps us in it. Why? Because he's got a greater purpose. You know, I've discovered that in the world today, there are more and more atheists and they're not atheists because they don't believe God exists. They're what's called wounded atheists. They have been hurt because God didn't do something they thought he would do. He didn't protect them. He didn't keep the virus away from their family. Tragedy came. And they wounded atheists. Charles Darwin did not just decide that he didn't believe in God because of his discoveries of, of the so-called theory of evolution. His daughter died, and that turned him away from God. He was an Anglican Christian. There's another man who runs a magazine called Skeptic, and uh, the Skeptic magazine, Michael Shermer. Michael Shermer didn't just decide that he didn't believe because there wasn't enough proof. Michael Shermer dated a girl in university, and she died in a tragic accident, first paralyzed and then died, and then he said, that's it for me. There isn't a God. You see, we can lose sight of the fact that in the midst of tragedy, 
God still has a purpose and we must make the most of bad situations because we live in a world that is filled with bad situations. Number two, the second thing we need to do in order to make the most of a bad situation is look for God's goodness in it. In every situation, God's goodness shines through, even in the worst of situations. I don't know if you've ever seen these pictures online or in a gallery, but these 3D pictures, you look at them and they just look like a mess. It looks just like a whole lot of designs and, and, and it's very hard to make sense of it. And you can stand there for ages and wonder, what is this? And then you can put on 3D glasses. And as you put the 3D glasses on, suddenly you begin to see, hang on a minute, there's actually an image in there. Actually, there's a picture. The image is inside the image. And you go, ah, oh. and that's what we need to do in bad situations. We need to look at everything through the lens of faith. We need to look at everything through the lens of God's word. And then we'll be able to see God in it, even though it's a very bad situation. It's amazing how two people can look at the same situation and one can be incredibly miserable and the other one can be incredibly happy. I recently read of a drug dealer in New York who was trading and selling drugs and they were making a deal on the street when a car came past and a shotgun was fired into his face. Well, it blasted his eyes out, damaged his face, and uh, he, he was in hospital for quite a long time. But during that time, he was humbled because he said he was an arrogant, cruel, selfish man. And that time in hospital made him think. And finally, he found Christ. And he says, it's one of the best things that happened to me. So a negative, bad situation, he saw God in it. On the other hand, you've got Albert Camus, who writes this novel about a French town that has a plague, incidentally. How interesting is this? And the, the novel's called The Plague. And he says when the plague broke out, because of the plague, instead of the people seeing God and, or seeking God, they all turned to immorality. They became worse. And he actually says this, promiscuity, not piety, was the result of their suffering. They lost their faith. They lost their morals. We've got to look for God at a time like this and not allow our hearts to turn and to turn away from the Lord. The Apostle Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says to people, you are looking only on the surface of things. We mustn't look at the surface of things. We need to look for God in the midst of bad situations. Now, the Bible is full of stories of people in bad situations. Apostle Paul in prison. Uh, we read about Job, we read about Jacob, we read about Daniel and his friends in Babylon, in captivity, if you like, in lockdown. Oh my gosh, taken away from the land, taken the, away from their heritage, taken away from their culture, deprived of so many things. But they saw God in the midst of their situation. And remember, the Bible calls it captivity. Literally, most, of, most people in our country and most people around the world are in captivity at the moment, in lockdown. But the scripture says that they saw the advantages and they made the most of it. They didn't rebel or get miserable or angry. They made the most of it. And it says that in Daniel chapter 1, let me read it to you. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. That must have been pretty good food and pretty good wine. And it says, and they were to be trained for three years. They were to be educated. They would learn something. Even though a foreign culture, an ungodly culture, they would still learn something. And it says they were to enter the king's service. And then God caused one of the officials to show favor to Daniel. So they found favor. They were educated. They enjoyed food and wine. They saw God in the 
the bad situation. I want to ask you at the moment, in lockdown, are you able to see God? Or can you only see negativity? Are you drowning in news and just allowing yourself to just see the negative? Or do you realize God's got some greater purpose? And I can actually see God in this because God uses all situations for good. In the 15th century, when the bubonic plague broke out, one third of the human race died. And they say the other two thirds scurried into church and desperately sought the Lord. They, in the midst of that, turned their hearts to God. And you know, I read of several people like this who in bad situations didn't see the negative, but they saw God in it and they made the most of their situation. One such person is uh, Richard Baxter. He was a 17th century preacher and uh, he, he really had a serious illness. And he said the serious illness turned out to be a blessing because it prevented him from doing things he might have done because he knew himself were he in perfect health. And so he said he saw it as actually a blessing in disguise because it kept him preaching the word and it kept him on the edge as he was on the edge of life and death and it kept his ministry in tune. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he was in prison for 12 years, but he constantly saw God in it because the prison was on a hill and he could see the whole of the village. And as he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, he saw different types of people and it inspired him. We go on further, Corrie ten Boom. She was put into a prison camp. The Dutch woman who with her sister were confined in a concentration camp and she was covered in lice. She was infested and her sister would say to her, rejoice in the Lord, thank God for everything. And she would glare back at her. How can I make the most of this bad situation? But she said when she got out, she realized that the lice infestation on her body had kept her from being sexually abused by the gods. Let me tell you about one more man who saw God in his situation, a man called William Cowper. William Cowper was a famous poet and an author and a writer in England. He was a Christian, but he suffered from deep depression. One foggy night, he called a carriage to come to his home and he jumped inside in this thick mist and he said to the carriage man, take me to London Bridge, which is on the Thames. And the carriage man set off in the mist. And after two hours, he still wasn't at the bridge and he got annoyed with the, uh, the carriage man and he said to him, what's the matter with you? Open the carriage and he jumped out and he said, I'm going on foot. And so he started walking in the thick mist and within a couple of steps, he found he was actually at the door of his own house. The carriage had been going around in circles and he realized that in the providence, in this bad situation, God had actually shown up and had brought him home. While he gave his heart to the Lord, he said to God, I give you my heart, I give you my problems, I unburden myself on you. And he bent down and he began to write a hymn. And I want to read to you some of the hymn's words. He says, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. So God's even in storms. Oh, fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessing on your head. So bad situations, heavy rain and storms, God's in them and he saw the goodness of God in everything. I know for some people all they can see is evil and negativity, but I want to remind you about something very important. Did you know that evil isn't even real? God didn't create something called evil. Evil is incidentally the absence of of good. When there's no good, then you get something called evil. Because people say, how could God create evil? How can God do harm to us? Let me explain it to you by using a shirt as a prop. Now this shirt today has a hole in it. 
as you can see, the shirt has a piece missing. It has a part that's removed. Evil is like that when you have the absence of good. When good is removed, you have evil. But can you see that actually there's nothing there? So evil isn't something. It's just the absence of good. And so when we look at situations, don't say, why is the evil? Realize in the midst of everything, God is still busy. And when you face a bad situation, you need to look for God in it all. Number three, the third way we make the best of a bad situation, and I trust this is helping you, is realize nothing can pull us down unless we let it. Nothing can pull us down unless we let it. You can take charge of your emotions and you can lean on God and draw strength from him because that's what the apostle Paul did. I wrote a book some years back called Pain is Inevitable, Misery is Optional. You've got to make a daily decision. You can't avoid pain. We, can't, we couldn't avoid this. this. This was imposed on us. But misery is optional. You choose your attitude and you can decide whether it's going to get you down or whether you're going to continue to live and rise above it. And it's so important that we learn from the Apostle Paul again in this regard in the book of Philippians. He gives us four simple things here that I want to give you quickly and, uh, and he encourages us what to do when we find ourselves in bad situations. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And, and for some Christians, they know this off by heart. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. It's a decision. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. In other words, don't forget God's right there. Do not be anxious about anything. Watch this. But in every situation, especially bad ones, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then there's the promise. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Four things here he tells us that, that we can make a decision about so that we don't become down, but we, we make a decision. I'm not going to be down. I'm, I'm not going to let this get me down. Number one, rejoice in the Lord. In other words, delight yourself in God. Remind yourself that God is there, that God is available. Begin to worship Him. And no matter what the situation is, thank Him that He is there, that He knows about it. And delight your soul by, by just rejoicing in Him. Number two, have a good attitude. He goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. Don't be in lockdown at home and make your whole family miserable. Now, don't nudge anyone on the couch, but it's so easy to get into a miserable, irritable situation. We get under each other's feet, and we're in mom's kitchen, and we're in the way. No, no, no. We need to be people who are not irritable. We control our emotions, and we change our attitude. He says, let your gentleness be evident uh, to all, and, and don't infect others with a negative attitude. We're not in prison. We're only in a home. If Paul could cope in a prison, then surely we can cope in our homes. Viktor Frankl gave us this advice about our attitude and he knew how to make the best of a bad situation because he was a prisoner in a concentration camp for many years. He said, everything can be taken from men, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, the ability to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. You can choose how you're going to cope with this. You can decide this is going to pull me down or it's going to raise me up. Number three, the apostle told us, don't stress. He said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about the future. Don't allow this thing to overwhelm you. If you're in a place where you can't do anything about it, just trust God. Don't be anxious. Don't stress. It's not going to help you. Put on a smile. Keep a good spirit. And then fourthly, he said, pray for God 
to meet your needs. Thank Him for who He is. Ask Him for your needs, your emotional, your physical, your financial, your marital, your relational, national, international, your business needs. Bring that all to Him because there's nothing worse than sitting for 21 days worrying and worrying and worrying about what's going to happen. No, no, make the most of it. Don't let it get you down. Decide, hey, misery is optional. I can't stop what's happening to me, but I can stop what's happening in me. And so we can decide that nothing can pull us down unless we allow it to. If Paul could manage in a prison, surely we can manage in our homes. Number four, the fourth thing that we need to do to make the most of a bad situation is use the situation to grow yourself. Every situation can either reduce you or it can grow you. And when Daniel and his friends found themselves in captivity in Babylon, they allowed it to grow them. Daniel used it to grow his life. He became a larger person. He became an excellent person. And we need to be careful that we don't allow this to reduce us. The Bible actually says of Daniel and his friends that when they were tested after being trained by the king, they came out 10 times better they made the most of the situation. They weren't resentful and bitter. Here we are in Babylon. They decided we're going to make this work for us. And so they made the most and they allowed the situation to grow them. You know, there's no ideal situation in life. And most of us will face not only this lockdown, but other situations similar. You may be in a difficult marriage. You may be in a difficult financial position. You may feel frustrated by family dynamics. You've got to learn how to make the most of it. You've got to allow the challenges to teach you instead of destroying you. And Daniel and his friends knew how to do that. They kept their appearance good. They used the opportunity to study. And I think we need to do the same. The tendency I think that can happen when we're at home is to treat this like one prolonged holiday and to get into bad habits. Bear in mind, 21 days is what it takes to create a habit. You can either create good habits and grow yourself or create bad habits. And when we come through this, we're going to be weaker people. Walk around in a tracksuit pants that's got food on it full of tomato sauce, stained t-shirts, no one sees me, I'm not going to shave, I'm going to do my hair. In the end, everyone at home is freaked out and we've not used this thing to grow ourselves. I was on an Instagram site just this morning and there's a wonderful motivational site called Before 5 a.m. It's a business site and the CEO and founder of the site, a man called Joe Duncan, he posted something very important for the 1.1 million followers on Instagram. And uh, he gave advice about the lockdown. And this is what he said. He said, the key to working from home is to maintain a sense of purpose and structure. It's important to wake up, dress up, and start your day at your usual time. In other words, don't let bad habits set in. Use this time to grow you so that when we come through it, you're ready for business. You're ready to step out again. And that's exactly what Daniel and his friends did in captivity in Babylon. I love what it says in the book of Daniel chapter 1 because Daniel was a man of principle and we need to hold our principles lest we become completely undisciplined during this time. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. The king talked with him and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. Let me remind you that saying no to sloth and laziness and to just chilling out, well, here I am locked up at home and being irritable is not gonna grow your life. Saying no to certain things and still being disciplined can actually grow us and build us. I read a very, very interesting article about a book written by a man called Tom Brokaw. And Tom 
broke or wrote this book. It's called The Greatest Generation. And he, in this book, says that this last generation in the 20th century was the greatest generation that ever lived. Quite a, quite a statement to make. And he says it's because they went through World War I. They went through World War II. They went through the Great Depression. And what it did for them is he lists this. He says they learned sacrifice, frugality, hard work. They learned how to handle pain, delayed gratification. They learned appreciation, duty, and loyalty. And he says, but when they came through that, they tried to shield their children from all that pain and all that difficulty. And so they gave their children luxury, options, ease, shielded them from pain, gave them abundance of food and material things. And he says, as a result, from the 20th into the 21st century, he says, we now have weak, emotional, spoiled, unhappy, ungrateful, self-indulgent, pleasure-orientated generations. And we wonder why we've got so many problems in the world. He says, pain and difficulty and bad situations actually develop people. So either this is going to grow you or it's going to shrink you. It's a decision you have to make. And I believe it's so important for us to look at Bible examples and learn from biblical characters because some of them grew through their challenges that they went through. I know many people are asking, why does God allow pain? Why does he let this happen? Uh, does God inflict this and is he some kind of sadist? Well, if you look at the book of Job and you see what Job went through, and I really want you to think about this. If you look at what Job went through, Job had everything and he lost everything. Uh, quite significant. Had everything, watch this, lost everything. And they say, what do you give someone? This is when they give birthday gifts. What do you give someone who has everything? Well, someone said this, you give them disaster because it's the one thing they need to grow their lives because sometimes everything doesn't grow you. And Job went through a disaster. He learned how to make the best of a bad situation. He made the most of it through God's grace. And he came out the other side doubly blessed. I want to encourage you. We can't avoid challenges. And we need to know how to grow in them. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7 that the wise man built his house on the rock. And the rains came down and the floods came up. And so no matter whether you build your house on the rock or the sand, you're going to face challenges. Are they going to grow you or are they going to destroy you. It's so important for us to make these decisions. As I close off this point, I just wanted to tell you about a, a, a professional tennis player. I read the story of, of, of this wonderful woman, Holly Choman, and uh, she was a pro tennis coach who lost her job during recession. And as a result of this, she, she began to feel she was sliding into a deep depression, started getting negative, but she made a decision. She set three goals. And, and she determined, I'm going to grow through this thing. I'm not going to allow this to destroy me. And she made the most of a bad situation. And her first goal was that she would further her career despite not playing tennis. You know, you're at home right now. How could you further your career even though you're locked up at home? Well, she went off to different tennis matches. She played in different games that she couldn't play in before because she was too busy. She watched and observed certain games, learned a whole lot of things she would never have learned if she was busy coaching. And she actually developed greater skills during that time of being unemployed. The second goal she decided was that she would stay fit and get in shape. So she exercised, she took dogs for a walk. And you know, this time you can either grow, you can exercise, you can use it, or you can sit on the couch and you can come out of this 10 kilos heavier and you can blame the government, you can be annoyed that this happened to you and you can be a victim, or you can allow this situation to grow you. I'm determined to exercise. I'm gonna get on my treadmill every day. I'm gonna do an hour and a half, two hours. I'm gonna keep myself in tip-top mental and physical condition because I'm gonna make the most of this situation. I'm not gonna allow it to get me down. I'm not gonna blame God. 
I'm going to grow through it. Then her third decision was this. She decided that she would, she would uh, do one activity every day that she enjoyed. Something at least, just something small that she enjoyed. You need to make sure that your days are filled with joy. You know, don't allow yourself just to be working and be super disciplined. That's all you do. Do something wonderful. Have a piece of chocolate. I'm giving you permission. And just enjoy something and, and make sure you delight during your days. Then we'll get through this thing really well. And whenever you're in a bad situation, if you do something enjoyable, it makes it bearable. And we need to know how to get through this. She came through this whole thing and she became a master coach at the highest level in tennis because she used it to grow her life. I trust that you're going to do that during these 21 days. Let me come to a close with point number five. The fifth thing we need to do to make the most of any situation is to look ahead because it can't go on forever. Get your sights on what's coming. We're going to get through this. And good days are ahead. And prosperity is ahead. And increase is ahead. And freedom is ahead. And we're not going to have to sanitize our hands forever and ever. We're going to get through this thing. And God's going to give us the breakthrough. And that's how the children of Israel survived in Babylon. When they went into captivity, they looked ahead and saw 70 years is going to be up. And then we're going to come out. And they constantly read the prophets. And they looked to Jeremiah who promised that they were going to come through. And and there is an end in sight. Now, I don't often read from the message paraphrase, but I want to read what Jeremiah chapter 45 says, because Jeremiah encourages one of the men with him, a man called Baruch, and he says to him that things are going to get better. It's going to come to an end. So get your eyes on the future. These are the words of God, the God of Israel to you, Baruch. You say, these are bad times for me. It's one thing after another. God is piling on the pain. I'm worn out and there's no end in sight. Some of us might feel like that. But God says, look around. What I've built, I'm about to wreck. And what I've planted, I'm about to rip up. And I'm doing it everywhere, all over the whole earth. So forget about making any big plans for yourselves. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But don't worry I'll keep you alive through the whole business. God says, I've got, the, got my hand on this. There's an end in sight. Don't allow yourself to get free. Make the most of it. And I'm going to let things run their course, but I'm going to bring you through this thing protected. We need to have our eyes on what God can do and we need to have our eyes on the future. You know, there's a young man just 27 years old, went hiking in the mountains by the name of Derek Mumayak. And uh, he went hiking in the Washington State Mountains. And while he was up there climbing, he's a very experienced climber. He, this should have been an easy thing for him. A huge uh, wind came up and blew him off where he was standing. And he fell down and broke his ankle while he wasn't able to walk. And he started crawling across a lava rock, which cut through into his legs. He became dehydrated. And uh, what should have been a simple journey ended up with him being five days on the mountain at two and a half thousand meters high. But what he did was he kept believing, I can get through this. He prayed, he trusted God, and uh, he survived. And he said this, he said, while he was there, I stayed positive, reminding myself, you're going to make it. In other words, he was looking ahead. He said, at first I was counting the days, but after a while, I just kind of put them in the back of my mind. I didn't dwell on them too much. And let's not dwell on the 21 days. This is what he did. He said, I had a job at hand and my job at hand was to stay alive and survive. 
In other words, we've got to keep our joy up. We've got to keep ourselves positive. We've got to stay sharp. We've got to develop good habits. We've got to make the most of this because it's going to come to an end and we need to keep our eyes on God. You know, the things that happen in the world sometimes are very strange, but we've got to believe that God's got them under control. Pastor Vilma shared this with me and I'm going to close with this. She shared with me these words which she read on an Instagram site and it took me back and reminded me uh, again of a wonderful book that C.S. Lewis wrote called Screwtape Letters. And this person was quoting from the book, or no, not mentioning the book. This book was written in 1942. You know how long ago that was. But it's a conversation between the devil and God. And Satan says this, I found this pretty amazing. I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down business, schools, places of worship, and sports events. I will cause economic turmoil. 1942. But then we read the words of Jesus. I will bring together neighbors, restore the family unit. I will bring back dinner onto the kitchen table. I will help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I will teach my children to trust me and not their money and material resources. God's using this and we need to make the most of a bad situation. What we need to do is to make the most of it. And so I want to encourage you, make the most of this bad situation and let's come out of it really strong. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.